Welcome back, listeners, to Podcast 21 of the Kofkin Bond Podcast. Uh, we did take a break for a week, and there was a very good reason. Tony, you had an exam. How did that go? Well, there were actually three of us in here that had to sit an exam. There was, there was. Yeah, so oh, it went well. Well, I, um, well, in my opinion, you've studied too hard, I guess, because you've passed with over a credit level. So did you even open a book or...? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> well, I guess that's good for our clients to know that you are of an outstanding level. Um, Thank you, Jamie. By natural knowledge. <laughs> As my mother would say, a head full of useless information. Yeah, As or, she says, I'm very good on game shows. Yeah, or, or you could say that there's 28 years of experience that went into that exam. Yeah, I think, that's more, I think that's more the fact. What was interesting in the exam uh, was that all the people that left the exam... It was a three-and-a-half-hour exam, you know, so it's... Um, but... I think it's the 28 years of knowledge is what's important because it's, you know, I've always had that philosophy, whatever you need to know, you need to know better than anyone else. Whatever you don't need to know, you don't have to worry about. Yep. You can't fill your, head, fill your head full of everything. But if I'm going to specifically work in a specific area, I will know that area, you know, down to, if we're talking exams, distinction level. But what was interesting in the three and a half hour exam um, is all the newer people to the industry were all the ones that got up to leave and all us older blokes uh, were there. I finished with nine minutes to go and on a three and a half hour exam and it's... Uh, that was due to not knowing how to copy and paste across some legislation or... Okay, you did teach me what F4 was prior <laughs> that, and that helped. <laughs> so it's a, Yeah, but having, having to an exam on the Corporations Act and... Now, Chapter 7 of the Corporations Act and things like that, it, it's, it's a bit daunting for somebody who hasn't had to sit down and do a three-and-a-half-hour exam for 32 years. Yeah. So, look, so. I think, obviously, you've done your other exams, but they've been a lot shorter than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the good thing about us is, as bad as it sounds, we are embracing that we need to do this. Um, we're keeping up and we're keeping in front of things because, you know, we're a long-term business. Where I see in this quarter, um, I think it was 1,500 advisors have left. 1,700? Yeah, 1,700 mm. have already left. So that's just showing the change in our industry. Um, exciting times. Well, exciting. as you know, we're, we're currently negotiating to buy three businesses Yeah. Um, on advisors who aren't a lot older than me, but um, who are just... You know, daunted by the amount of rapid change that's happening in our industry, which has been daunting in itself since 2001. But, yeah. um, you know, they've, they've just said, well, I can't sit down and study for the next three years. I'm 62 years old. And, and we want to ensure that those clients do get the, the best advice they can and then they're making sure someone is seeing them. Oh, these are great advisors. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not retiring or being forced out of the industry because they're crap. They're just the idea of going back to university for three years as well as running... And their business isn't our size. They're smaller businesses and they don't have the support staff that we have and things like that. So... You know, if I'm spending 10 hours a week studying all of a sudden for the next three years, you know, five hours of that is every morning uh, before we start work, we need to know that there's people in here uh, that can, you know, if I'm not available because I'm sitting in an exam like last Wednesday, this, our clients are still being serviced. Yeah, no, that's definitely right. Yeah. So, look, talking about change, I on the running sheet, I did have the importance... Uh, well, uh, we were going to talk about insurance claims yeah. um, and, and what we've been going through with our clients and how to help them there, but I've changed the running sheet today. And that's really nice of you, Jamie, because I prepared my talk for <laughs> insurance claims, and he said, I'm not going to talk about that. I, so, everyone, he's given me about 35 seconds notice on this topic. So, we're going to change it It over. is a topic I love. Yeah, it is a topic <laughs> you do love, and it's something that... 
I guess our fingers always on the pulse, um, but you're actually going to explain how you aren't watching as closely as other people due to your experience within the industry. But we're going to talk about what the markets have done in the last few days. Um, and I guess people have seen a bit of red going on and a few pointing down arrows. Um, and so we want to talk about our, as a, how we set up our portfolios to handle situations like this um, and why you look at the positives in times like this. So let's start off. Why is it a positive? The best way of explaining why things are positives is that you walk into Myers and you go to buy that polo shirt for $100. And I walk in there tomorrow and I buy two of those polo shirts for $100 because tomorrow the mar- they went on sale. I bought in their June 30 sale or the Boxing Day sale. Shirt's the same, feels the same, looks the same, makes me look the same in it. But basically I'm buying two for the price of one. So if you think of it from a shopping analogy, you still want that. You still want that thing. Um, If the fundamentals of the shirt are good. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So it's, um, and you're prepared to pay $100 for that shirt. And I just wasn't. I was just, I was happy to wait for it to go on sale. And I think, you know, it's, it's, the question has often been asked is the, when you see, when do you see the widest smiles on my face in this office is when the markets are turbulent and have gone down uh, dramatically. And the reason being is because it's, you know, who doesn't like going shopping? Who doesn't like buying great things at at cheaper than what you believe they should actually be? So if we owned a particular share and that made up 1% of our portfolio, and the market's absolutely tanked, and and that dropped in and that dropped in value, and we thought it was great value at one percent of our portfolio. Why wouldn't we buy more of it? Yeah, and I guess look, it's not it's not great to see portfolios go down at any stage, um, but the, the reality, not our clients. No, but the reality is that there are going to be peaks and troughs within within an investment world. I think there's, it's it's more it's more short term volatility, and yeah. you know the the old adage and. Uh, I'll tell stories today, Jamie, that you've heard a thousand times, so we'll try not to bore you and send you to sleep. But it's the, it's the analogy of the, you think of, you know, picture a kid walking up a set of stairs bouncing a basketball. He started at the bottom of the flight of stairs and he ends at the top of the flight of stairs. But if you focus on the basketball, on every step going up and down, you're going to go insane trying to, do I pick the the bottom of the market, do I pick the top of the market? Over time, he's ended up at a higher position than what he was when he started. But if you focus on the basketball, you're going to have sleepless nights. Now, it doesn't mean to say that you don't be conservative during turbulent times, or if you've got new money to go, you don't buy an asset because you've got money, you buy asset because that asset is offering good value, thus the sales that we've seen over the last couple of days. And I, I think it'll still be, tur- I've been saying for the last you know six months, markets are gonna be turbulent again. They're, these things are going to happen. So don't just expect the seller gains that we've seen for the first quarter of this year. Um, you know, things things are terrible. Things are in certain asset classes are expensive. Doesn't mean we don't like that stock or that sector. It just means right now, with new money, we won't go into it. But if somebody went into that sector ten years ago, you know, fantastic. They're yeah. worth three times the amount than they are today. So how how do we set up our portfolios for times like this? Um, what what are the measures? 
Yeah, I can help with it, but what are the measures that we take internally to, to sort of counteract this? Well, it, it, it goes on a client-by-client scenario. So as an example, one of our existing clients today, been a client for three years, risk profile is a growth risk profile, um, and but just invested a new lump sum of money. But of that, a good chunk of that money is required in two years' time to settle on a property. Yep. So we're, t- we're talking, you know, about 60% of those funds are required to settle on a property. Now, because we do have volatility in the market right now, and during that period, because she's a downsizer, during that period of time, she's going to be renting. So what we've actually done, and we're talking a very large lump sum, we've gone and placed that in just to an annuity. That annuity pays her an income every month, which covers her rent up until the time she settles on her new property. Uh, here in Collingwood and but even though she's a growth risk profile doesn't mean we've gone and put her into our model growth model portfolio so in actual fact she's got a total at the moment of about 65% in defensive assets because of that volatility I don't want to put her into just have her match her portfolio today and then all of a sudden in you know just before prior to settlement her portfolio drops by you know, $100,000, which on a percentage basis might only be like 5% or so, but it drops by $100,000. And then all of a sudden, she, but she needs to cash out now to buy that property. So it depends on the client. Now, there's another part of her portfolio, which she doesn't need to touch for 13 years. Yeah. And that's that part of the portfolio, that's in growth. Yeah, and that's looking at that long-term growth and not, and not looking at that bouncing ball. No, that's exactly right. So... We eliminate the bouncing ball by buying an annuity for her that pays her the monthly income to pay her rent. That, that's eliminating the bouncing ball because there's no fluctuation of capital, no fluctuation of income Okay, for that period of time. The other 10 years, is she doesn't need that. Uh, that's, it's not locked away. She's got access to it. But basically, in 10 years' time, that's going to be providing her 130000 tax-free income. Um, and it's going to grow. But even though with her growth risk profile, we're still only talking you no know, after fees. We're talking basically your CPI plus three and a half percent. So at the moment, CPI is pretty low. But let's say over ten years, CPI averaged three percent. We're talking six and a half percent total return on that portfolio, and that you know, whereas for us, our growth fund at its maximum would have seventy percent in growth assets. Whereas we have some industry funds, balance funds oh, that have zero in cash or defensive say, we assets. Had, we had um, a lot of talk by Lonsec the other day and they were explaining how people can differentiate the way they want to talk about defensive and um, growth assets. But I, I think we're more of the traditional, we do follow what a growth asset is and we do follow what a defensive asset is and it's classified the correct way. Absolutely. Defensive means you don't have a major risk of losing capital. Yes. Uh, It's quite simple. It's cash, bonds, fixed interest, annuities, uh, term deposits. And and we're not looking at a hybrid like a Telstra that's paying a high dividend to save the share. (laughs) You can call it a hybrid or you want. You can call it any name you want. You can call it a Rolls Royce. It's still a share. Yes. You know, if, if the share market comes off, that hybrid investment is still underwritten by a share. Yes. It's still going to come down. So it's a hybrid investments, hybrid shares are not defensive assets. No. And no one can convince me that they are. 
So it's um, so it's so our portfolios, and when we do look at that growth in defensive, that we are looking at the traditional way. Absolutely, we are. Sure yeah. So, so it's um, no smoke and mirrors in here. You no. know, so some of those industry funds have so much smoke and mirrors, you swear they're Houdini. You know, so it's uh, holding their breath underwater. But you know, when you've got a balanced fund, which should be fifty percent growth and fifty percent defensive, currently a hundred percent growth. Just say holds no cash. Holds zero cash. That is insane. Absolutely insane. Um, you know, a certain individual wrote a book and people go and put money <laughs> into it. So, good on. We That's were, fine. So, to, uh, so, continuing on that portfolio yeah. of, of how it's individualised clients. So, when we're looking over that 10 years in those growth portfolios, how are we sort of establishing those? Well, I think if you... Let's, let's take two scenarios. Let's let's take a client who invested, you know, a lump sum of money with us. It could be 50 grand. It could be, you know, 5 million. doesn't matter. They invested a lump sum of money with us 10 years ago and at them and they've been in a certain asset class and over that 10 years it's gone up 300 percent now that's just us equities sounds like a huge amount of money but that's just been compound growth over the space of 10 years if you invested after the gfc if you invested prior to the gfc it's still up 180 percent you know for, for that 10 year period so let's assume the brilliance of the investment was was the day after the gfc occurred they're up 300 percent that um, that investment's now worth $3 million and we regard the US index as expensive, as an example. Will we sell out of that? Yes, no. Because let's assume that's in their personal name. They could have a realised capital gain of $750,000 in selling that out. So, actually, no, wrong, $500,000 if the initial investment was a million. So, so basically, it's a case of why would we have them sell out to make it a bit more defensive to give five hundred grand to the tax man, never being able to recoup that money, rather than hold the investment and keep the investment. And even if the market came off 25%, which is, or 20%, which is, you know, $600,000, if they hold it in 10 years' time, it'll be that... Th- that Three million has dropped to two point six. Will still be worth five point two. Yeah. So and that's just at a seven percent growth, compounding growth. So, so from that perspective, somebody who's invested in the market and has that asset allocation, we're not going to sell down because a certain sector of the market they're invested in is expensive. But if you've come to me today with a fresh million dollars you're not going to have that same investment asset allocation as a client for who had 10 came to us 10 years ago. So that might be that client's best friend and they go to compare investment portfolios and say, well, he's got me in this, but he's got you in this. Why? We're both the same risk profile. And the factor is, is just that it's the markets are expensive at the moment and the volatility has shown that. So that even our growth portfolio at the moment, I think, is currently holding 35% defensive assets. Um, so if you invested in the markets, uh, our growth portfolio, you know, three days ago, you're down about 0.2%, where yeah. the markets have been down about 5 I think. So, you know, so over the three days, so about 5% during that period of time. So you're still slightly down. But that's because of the defensive approach we've taken. But you know what, even if they came off 15% uh, in the growth side, came off 15%, that still means the total portfolio is down by about eight or nine. But if I'm looking at a 10 year horizon, when a client's looking at a 10 year horizon and that's what we're looking at together, I'm still looking at the US market, you know, being at 70,000 points. So 
Yeah, and I, I think it's just about looking across all those different asset classes. When we're talking about the 10-year horizon um, and, and the way that we're setting up clients' portfolios, you know, we're not just looking at Australian equities. We're not just looking at US equities. We are trying to diversify across a, a, a range of ones, and especially with fixed interest as well um, and including cash. So that's where we're talking. We, we continue to... I guess, hold some more cash than other portfolios within the industry as well. Um, and so we're waiting for those Boxing Day sales to, to jump in uh, and to find that value. Yeah, that, <clears throat> excuse me. Been doing a lot of talking the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, no, it's 100% correct is that you don't buy you know, assets because you have money. You buy assets because they are offering good value. So, and I think when, when I was speaking to a client yesterday uh, from Sydney and um, you know, they've got, you know, two and a half million uh, new money to invest. And I said, listen, we're just going to wait a few weeks. Yeah. And even though it's a conservative portfolio we're putting together for them, it's conservative balanced. Uh, I'll just say, let's just ride out this volatility and see where it goes. Once again, 10 years time, that two and a half million is going to be worth, you know, at least $5 million, no matter what happens over the next couple of weeks. But there's no harm in riding out a bit of, bit of volatility at the moment. And I think with that, it can get stressful. We were talking about that that fund before that has, you know, 100% growth assets. Yeah. And but it's when, called balanced. And, and when, when, <laughs> so. you know, when they do go through a stage like this where there is volatility, well, they do see a drop and it does stress them out because, well, they can't do anything there. All, all they can do is sell off because they well, can't. Well, you can sell off if, you, yeah. if you've got zero cash. Yeah, so, so we're, we're holding cash and large amounts of cash in these dark holes. But in these volatile times, um, <laughs> can see it start to deploy some of that cash, and that's where we see it as a positive. Yeah, I, I don't know about the word dark. No, I didn't. Mean, no, I definitely so, didn't mean so, that one. So, yeah, so it's uh, you know, I, I use the word volatile. <laughs> it's uh, if that's okay, but but I, I think no, it's if if you look at it, it, it's a short memories. There are people invested today who never had an investment prior to the GFC. That was only ten years ago. You. You know, so you, I don't even know if you even had any super 10 years ago. Yeah, 500 oh, bucks. Yeah, it would be jarring and I would have opened my first account. That's what I just... Okay, so you might have had about 500 bucks yeah, in there. Yeah, I struggled to make that. So you, watched, <laughs> so you watched that drop to 400? Yeah, I didn't even know where it was back then. <laughs> so did you actually know what super was? Didn't know what super was back then. So I remember the first thing, could, couldn't believe they wouldn't give me the money until I'm 65. <laughs> I know, how far away is that? I know. <laughs> so it's... Uh, and on top of that, could you imagine the amount of beer you could have drank exactly. with that money? Exactly, I couldn't use so. it that weekend. That hundred bucks that I had in there, isn't it? It's interesting though, because that hundred bucks is worth about four grand here today. Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, and you're a bit closer to sixty-five, or be at a lifetime away from it. Yeah, lifetime. But you know, in in saying that, we we do have a look at this and say, where are we going to be in ten years? So, even if I'm talking to a sixty-year-old. If they are physically healthy and mentally healthy, that 60-year-old can still afford and have a good life for the next 20 years and actually physically be able to enjoy that money. I've got, you know, family friends, uh, my parents' family, you know, who are family friends of ours, all our default aunties, you know, who are still going on overseas trips now and they're approaching 80. We had, you know, one of our closest family friends and... Um, they went off to uh, Israel, um, you know, this year they're 80, 81 and, and 79 and with a group and went off to Israel. So physically they're, they're still capable of doing that and they, they went and they had a ball of a time. So, and why shouldn't they? But in saying that, 
they're still got an in- they're, they're still got an income that you know it's going to last them another ten years. Um, you know, for me, if I was to retire today, I've now said I'm living to 105, so I have to have an income that'll last me 55 years. I can't afford to retire today as a result. <laughs> so it's um, but. I'm not fussed about what happens on the market today or tomorrow. I'm not overly actually fussed if we were to suffer a Lehman Brothers meltdown right now because we actually are defensive. So um, I'm not I'm not that fussed all up. Yeah. No, and it's just more a case of, well, how do we take advantage of it? Tony, thanks for your time again today. Look, I will keep the script next week um, and we will run with the important... We'll see. We'll yeah, see. <laughs> pain, but I did... I guess a lot of questions come around these times and that's why I wanted to jump in today yeah. um, and send this out to our clients and, and people listening. We do we do know people are finding us now on Spotify, which is fantastic. Yeah, we've, we've had a couple of people who actually reached out to us because of these podcasts yeah. who actually are clients of ours or weren't referred to us. So no, that, and that's even, hearing, even hearing clients in meetings the other day that I think you raised the topic and they said, oh yeah, that actually happened in the podcast last week. So. Yeah, well, I, I'll even have a shout out to Dom Ruperto uh, today. I was chatting to him yesterday and he said, yeah, I remember you mentioning that in one of your podcasts and I said, you actually listen to them, Dom? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I really enjoyed them. And I thought... I thought, there you go. So, so it's, I, I, yeah. it's glad when I'm looking in the back end of the podcast that I know that all those views aren't just you. <laughs> Not all of them. No. So it's, uh, I usually listen to, I, I will listen to this on the way home in the car tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm slowly coming to terms with how I sound on the microphone. So. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Tony. And we'll uh, catch thanks, up Jamie. next week.